The pure and sacred word cried out, I will not be separated from you, my friends, for sitting upon the throne with the Father, I will pour out the grace of the Spirit upon those who desire it. Having performed his task, the word calms the heart. Having accomplished his work, Christ gladdens his friends by granting them the Spirit, as he promised, in a great breath and fiery tongue. Holy Pentecost, you might say, is the birthday of the Church, because uh, at Holy Pentecost, the Holy Spirit uh, descends in the form of the tongues of fire, as, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles. And we also read in the Acts of the Apostles that at that time, uh, different people were speaking in different languages, yet everyone was understanding each other. And this is exactly what we are talking about before, the fact that the Holy Spirit brings people together. Diversity in unity. So here we have people, different people, diverse people, yet they are one. And this is um, a symbol of the Church. The Feast of Holy Pentecost is a celebration of the wondrous descent of the Holy Spirit upon the faithful who were waiting in Jerusalem. Like the disciples assembled in the upper room on that momentous occasion, we too can be filled with the Holy Spirit who renews our hearts, gives us peace, and enables us to love. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This feast, one of the most important of the Orthodox Church calendar, falls 50 days after the great feast of Christ's resurrection, hence the name, which means 50 in Greek. As with all feasts, great vespers is observed the evening before, and the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom is celebrated on the day of Pentecost, which always falls on a Sunday. During the church year, there are numerous points in the various services when it is appropriate to kneel in humility. In observation of the great joy of Holy Pascha, standing is the appropriate posture for prayer. The kneeling vespers of Pentecost marks the leave-taking of the Paschal period, and a return to the kneeling posture. The synaxis of the Holy Spirit is observed with the Divine Liturgy on the Monday following Holy Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There are a couple of really interesting pieces in the Pentecost icon to look at. First, the apostles are seated in a semicircle. One, it's an artistic way of putting them together, but importantly here is that the center seat is empty. That's the seat that Christ would have held. It reminds us none of them are at the head of the group. If we think of Pentecost as the beginnings of the church, that that empty spot, Christ fills that empty seat. Second piece that's so interesting about the Pentecost icon is usually they will depict at the top, next to Peter, who's usually at the top left, Paul. Paul was clearly not at the event. But Paul's role in the creation and the establishment of the church over time, 
places him at, as the equal to the apostles. And so he will be f- depicted there as well. The other apostles are there. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. The tongue of fire sits on, tops of, on the tops of their heads. Sometimes you'll see the, the tongues of fire moving about the icons in different ways. But they're all gathered together. And at the bottom, in a dark space, is the cosmos holding the scrolls of the good news that they're going to preach. Believers, let us celebrate Pentecost with this feast which follows and concludes the feast. This is the preordained fulfillment of the promise, for on this day the fire of the Comforter descended upon the earth in the form of tongues, enlightening the disciples and showing them knowledgeable of heavenly things. The light of the Comforter has come and enlightened the world. We have uh, a couple of reports of uh, Pentecost in the New Testament. Uh, One is in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, uh, an account in which the risen Christ comes to the disciples, frightened as they were, Uh, and grants them the blessing of peace, peace be with you, and says to them, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Whosever sins you forgive will be forgiven. Whosever sins you retain will be retained. That's a form of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the commission to mission, to go out to preach the gospel. It seems that the Gospel of John has this interesting aspect of it, that it's not interested so much in chronology, when things happen, but in the events themselves. So it ties very closely the resurrection and the ascension. Uh, The Gospel of Luke, however, does tell us that the great event of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the early Christians, and here we might remember that it was not only the twelve apostles, but we also have the Virgin Mary, according to the book of Acts, and about a hundred and twenty people. So you have uh, at least over a hundred faithful followers of Christ who, in spite of the crucifixion and all the troubles that occurred, they remained faithful and they were gathering together. So on such an occasion, then, God poured out his spirit to uh, generate this spiritual movement of Christianity uh, to, uh, to go out into the world. We call it Pentecost because on that day, the Jews also celebrated a feast which they first called Pentecost, which was a feast remembering the uh, wanderings of Israel in the wilderness and the protection and blessings that they received from God. Uh, That's what they remembered on Pentecost and the giving of the law. Uh, But now uh, we have another horizon opening uh, by the gift of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of the Christian movement. So we call it Pentecost because it occurred 50 days after the resurrection, which is also 50 days after Passover, Pentecost. 
Like Pascha and Passover, the Feast of Pentecost reflects an earlier Jewish festival called Shavuot, which likewise marked the closing of the 50-day Passover period. Shavuot was originally a celebration of the harvest period and later came to recall the ancient covenant God made with his people. Pentecost is a fulfillment of this Jewish festival, for it marks the beginning of the church, the new covenant God has made with his people. In the West, Pentecost is also called Whitsunday, reflecting the ancient tradition of white robes worn by those baptized at Easter. The light has shone from the grace of the Spirit, and all things bend their knees to the Comforter, the Son and the Father. For they behold three persons in the true essence, unapproachable, eternal, and one. Let whoever serves the triply lit essence be filled with divinity, for Christ the benefactor has perfected and illumined us for salvation by granting all the grace of the Spirit. Orthodoxy, much more than the West, really does believe that we're living in the time of the Holy Spirit, really does understand that Christ's presence among us now is through the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, like the Feast of Theophany, celebrates the Holy Trinity, for at that time the third person of the Godhead descended and became visible as tongues of fire. The inner presence of the Holy Spirit was the energy that empowered the apostles to preach, teach, and live the gospel of Christ. Parallel to the teaching on the Trinity is the feast's focus on unity. When the Most High descended, he confused the tongues and scattered the peoples, but when he distributed the tongues of fire, he called all of them to unity. Therefore we praise the Most Holy Spirit with one voice. I guess the central aspect of Pentecost is really language in some ways. That we think of the search for universal language as to speak one language, whether it was French at one time or English today. But really, the universal language is just love. The gospel and, and the liturgical life and the liturgical year can be understood by all people, irregardless of who they are ethnically or, or, or linguistically. Uh, through the Holy Spirit. It makes us one. We are neither slave nor free man, no female nor, nor, nor male, uh, Greek nor Roman or, or Jew. And to understand that uh, is, is to live in the, in the time of Pentecost, the time of the Holy Spirit, where war and struggle and oppression and arguments and resentments decrease and unity and concord and love uh, increase. That is really to uh, experience the glorifying power of Pentecost this idea of what the church is. It is the Holy Spirit brings us together, diverse people in unity. Diversity in unity just like the Holy Trinity. But the uniting aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is simply a reflection of the Holy Trinity, three persons and yet perfectly united in love. So in the joyous Feast of Pentecost, we recall the birth of the Christian Church, for no other institution on earth reflects the Holy Trinity. As we proclaim every Sunday, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. St. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. These fruits are not a result of our own efforts and they are not given for our comfort. The fruits of the Spirit represent growth that results from the active presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The saints are all those whose hearts and minds have been renewed 
and are constantly being renewed to take up their cross and live a life of obedience and humility. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Pentecost is so important for courage, because you think that the disciples before Pentecost were quite frightened and unsure of themselves and where to go. But after that, something is unleashed, and their capability to change the world is just really actualized. And Pentecost says something else, too, about the fact that we have power in Christ, and power isn't ours, and the danger isn't too much that we'll be prideful. If we've lived with the Lord through his crucifixion and celebrated his resurrection, then it's also possible to cast out demons in Christ's name and promote healing in his name. We should have a lot of faith and a lot of courage for whatever lies ahead in this world and in our lives. We see around us those who do not appear to be living spirit-filled lives. Their sinful self-indulgence is not a reflection, but a rejection of God's love. The Bible is clear about such people. Those who are of the flesh cannot please God. Pentecost reminds us to examine our own lives. Are we bearing the fruits of God's presence in us? Ultimately, Pentecost is a joyful celebration of the wondrous gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who dwells in our hearts, renewing and changing our hearts and minds. Tied intimately to Pentecost is the whole concept of the Church. And as a Western Christian, I very often saw church as an obstacle and regretted the fact that ecclesia, which means the gathering, was replaced in our language by church, which also refers to a building, and in our minds really ends up being a building almost. Um, Pentecost reminds us that it's the gathering Mission work, of course, all bases itself in Pentecost and the Great Commission, and then that they were sent out and empowered at Pentecost. But we should really think, too, about what's happening at Pentecost in terms of an assembly of people gathered in humility, in brokenness, in respect for each other, in love for Christ. Because when people step away from the faith or when people aren't really caught up in the faith, it's, it's often because of the way it's presented that we just don't have enough love ourselves. People aren't really drawn to it. But somehow at that moment, that love was just was tongues of fire. They could say what needed to be said, and they could move, and people came instantly. And before we become too judgmental about people outside the church, people who've fallen away from the church, or even about our own selves and our own spiritual lives, to try to remember to go back to the source of love and let that naturally draw us in and naturally draw others in. We have seen the true light. We have received the heavenly spirit. We have found the true faith. And we worship the indivisible Trinity, for the Trinity has saved us. Orthodoxy, much more than the West, 
really does believe that we're living in the time of the Holy Spirit, really does understand that Christ's presence among us now is through the Holy Spirit. That concept affects something like Holy Communion in ways that Orthodox people may not even recognize. Um, Westerners who may have inherited uh, a piety that was very individualistic can see Holy Communion as um, a moment when Jesus and they are in this little uh, reality that excludes others. Since Vatican II, the concept has, has improved and, and is more inclusive. But communion in the West can too often mean um, something that it doesn't mean for orthodoxy. In orthodoxy, the reality that the Eucharist is the coming together of the whole Christ, head and members, that we are in communion with one another at the same time as with Christ um, is a, a more evident reality. Just as in the liturgy, the change of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is affected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that reality is abundantly evident in the Orthodox liturgy. Again, in the West, people have in the past been able to slide into an almost magical way of looking at uh, transubstantiation and to lay emphasis on the words this is my body as though by saying them a priest magically accomplished something rather than seeing an entire Christian community in prayer imploring the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and the wine and effect the change.